The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Good morning, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to uh, what is basically a Drunk Friday episode of the Wednesday WAP. Well, I guess we got a hangover going on here. So, anyways, <laughs> Craig Borden here with Brendan Panikar. Brendan, what's going on, my friend? Just recovering from our Wednesday wallop hangover, my friend. It's uh, Friday, finally starting to feel a little bit better, so decided to get a few beers in me before we uh, hopped on the show. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to pull an Adam Corsair here because I have twist-offs. I can't get the going on my game <laughs> <laughs> to get the show kicked off here as we pop a beer and get ready to talk some Blue Jays baseball. And holy shnikes, my friend, we got tons of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I honestly think that uh, with the amount that's gone on the last week in a bit or since we last recorded yeah i guess it's been over a week now uh there's been a, a ton of talking points to bring up whether it's giles or the rotation order or strowman opening day anthony alford there, there's a lot to get into and it's actually uh makes me really excited to uh dive into what we want to talk about today yeah so why don't we just go top seeing we want to start this show off hot why don't we just talk about how ken giles this completely unloads on his teammate for a while at this point, David Paulino. Yeah. And, you know, he comes over with him in the trade and apparently still suffering the wrath of Ken Giles. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm very interested to know if, and for context, some people who don't know what happened uh, yesterday on the Jeff Blair show, they, this whole week, Jeff Blair and Stephen Brunt have been down in Dunedin and they've been recording episodes live from Eden and in the 10 o'clock hour they bring the wireless mic down to the field and as they were getting ready to go to commercial break uh right at the end of I believe the 10 o'clock hour maybe it was 9 30 or what anyways uh there's a whole bunch of screaming and commotion in the background and and all you hear Jeff Blair say is okay I think it's time for commercial break it looks like there's a bit of a dust up and uh Ken Giles is in the middle of it or something along those lines I'm like oh dear here we go what's uh what's the deal with this so, yeah, Ken Giles is, when there's controversy, there's a good chance Ken Giles is in the middle of it, eh? Yeah, <laughs> it's basically, this is a little bit of a step further from him punching himself in his own head last year with the Astros and causing himself <laughs> mortal harm. But in the midst of this, the whole reason this came up, uh, or at least the, the story that has since coincidentally come out with the quote-unquote F-bombing and yelling and screaming that was quick, get the commercial for uh, Jeff Blair, um, Paulino apparently didn't want to participate in whatever the fielding drill was at the moment. Yep. There has been also some other things coming about. Apparently he was still bumming about the, uh, his performance from the day before, whatever it might be. Either way, Ken Giles comes hot out of the box and <laughs> basically says, you want to make this team get off your butt and get over here, kind of is almost how I interpreted the in- the situation. Yeah, me too. I, mean, I, don't, I don't see anything wrong with what Giles did. Sure, he threw a few F-bombs. Uh, but Charlie Montoyo stuck up for him right away pretty much after he was asked about it and said, hey, Paulino was not participating in drills. Why does he think he can't participate in in it? And I mean, I'd be interested to see if this wasn't somebody Ken Giles previously knew because Paulino's been up with the Astros before when Ken Giles was still there, if Giles would have snapped like how he did or had the balls to call somebody out if he wasn't previously teammates with uh, with this person who ended up being Dave Paulino. But regardless, yeah, I mean, there's two different ways to look at it. It's either voicing your opinion, getting upset, and throwing a little bit of a hissy fit at somebody for not doing what they're supposed to, and throwing F-bombs, 
uh, is not being a leader. But at the same time, if you're a veteran in the clubhouse and you know there isn't a lot of other veterans, you're not expected to win, but you have a lot of young guys who are trying to make the team, step up and make sure that they know, hey, you got to do your job if you want to make this team. So it's, it's interesting to see where people fall on this. I think more people are on Ken Giles' side than not. And I know I am. I, I, I'm happy to see Ken Giles step up and be a leader. Yeah. So as far as the fun goes, uh, this here in Rochester, we have a fun radio segment on one of the local radio stations called Jerk or Justified. In the situation here, I honestly think it was justified as far as how Ken Giles reacted. Yeah, maybe the tone could have been a little different, but the whole concept is to light a fire under the ass of the person, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I I don't see anything wrong with it, and and if he's lighting a fire under David Polino, good because Polino's hella talented, and he he has a shot at making the bullpen. So why why not? I have no problem with what Ken Giles did. Yeah, and as far as I think, Ken Giles wants him in the bullpen if he's trying to get him to get moving. <laughs> Maybe DePaulino wants to take a step back from that fact at this point, with Ken, knowing Ken Giles is going to be down there with him. But this is a guy that he's been at least with his spring training with, even when he wasn't with the Astros. So yeah. I think it's actually rather interesting you brought up that point. If he, if he knew him as well as he did, or didn't know him as well as he does, actually, does he yell at somebody else on the team that wasn't participating? Or is this because they have that relationship that he felt like he could do this type of thing? That, I honestly hope that somebody in the midst of all this talent that is assembling in Toronto, that they do have a culture where they can call each other out on this kind of stuff. Because this reminds me of the locker room that changed when Martin and Donaldson came into the locker room, and all of a sudden it's ever all hands on deck. And that's when we pushed for a playoff spot for the first time in a billion years. You know, So some of this stuff has to happen in a locker room, especially with young talent. You know, they need to get kicked in the butt sometimes, and it's just how it is. And I agree that it's not just young talent either. I'm sorry if I just called out all the youngsters and millennials that are now <laughs> going to be on the team. <laughs> I mean, you got to be held accountable, and if Paulino isn't held accountable, then who knows what uh, he grows up and develops into. I mean, maybe that's a little drastic, but at the same time, you got to do what you're supposed to do. In spring training, you're supposed to be working on your fielding drills and, and making sure you're going through giving 100%, especially if you're a guy who's on the fringe of either going to Buffalo or being in Toronto at the beginning of the year, I'm pretty sure you're going to want to be in the major league. So if you want to be there, do what Ken Drowles is telling you. Participate. I got one more incentive that these youngsters need to, that are on the tipping edge need to remember. You could be playing your home games in a dome all April. <laughs> or you could be joining me in the stands in Buffalo when it's probably dumping snow on you. Just saying. It is, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was pretty nice outside today, luckily, around Toronto, and I'm assuming the same thing in, in Rochester and probably Buffalo too. But, uh, yeah, there's a good chance there's going to be another snowstorm. So hopefully David Paulino realizes he can pitch indoors against the Tigers and the Orioles to begin the year instead of uh, potentially having a snow out when the Bisons open their year. Yeah, it's been an odd last couple of days here, Brendan, as far as things go, because it's above freezing, and that means I'm driving with my windows down on the highway back home. <laughs> no, absolutely. I didn't even wear a jacket to work today. I just wore a, a heavier flannel. It was yeah. awesome. Meanwhile, flash forward 12 hours, and it's back to freezing here in Rochester, New York. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, but as far as it goes, I think this is the kind of culture that I think you want to a certain extent. Yes, you don't want to get it to the point where it becomes hostile, but this, I think this is wonderful stuff as far as how it could be in a locker room, at least with a veteran presence. Ken Giles has been playing baseball for a long time, so if he's got his mouth open about something, I would highly be listening, especially if I'm trying to get into the same bullpen as he is. It's just going to build, and I think it goes to this culture that Montoyo is trying to build a little bit, the grind it out. You need yep. everybody on hand, uh, you know, all hands on deck to be able to get this to work the way it needs to work for them to be competitive this season. And yeah. segue, <laughs> this team has looked pretty stinking competitive over the last week. Maybe it's me getting my hopes up, but this doesn't look like a Baltimore Orioles from twenty seven or twenty eighteen right now. This looks more no. like a pushing the idea of a twenty eighteen Rays record of you know just cusping into the eighties. And win yeah, the column. I mean that would be possible if Strowman and Sanchez and Matt Shoemaker stay healthy. And at this point, the three of them have pitched really well. I mean, Strowman, but especially so Sanchez, has gone out there and looked a lot like his 2016 self. I know it's only spring training, 
So we can everybody around MLB, all 30 teams, can get excited at the way people are performing if they're healthy and pitching or hitting well and playing good defense and scoring runs. But like after the last two years for Aaron Sanchez to see him go out there and air it out and, and seem to have no problem and just absolutely dominate is a very, very encouraging sign to see that. And Stroman too. I mean, Stroman last year, even though he pitched quite a bit, he still was pitching with a shoulder injury for a lot of the season. He wouldn't admit that, neither would the team, but he was hampered by that almost all season long, which is why he struggled so much. So the, the, to see Stroman and Sanchez both healthy, if they're anchoring that rotation to begin the year and they're taking the, uh, taking the mound every fifth day, then there's a good chance that you could get wins on both of those days, and then you just need one of Barucki, Shoemaker, or Richards to step up, and you get a, a good chance at three wins every five days out. So... It is exciting to see Sanchez and Stroman pitching very, very well. And the offense has done well, too. Yeah. So just to summarize what you were saying there and give some hard numbers to this whole thing, right now as far as the spring stats are concerned, Ryan Barucki is leading the pack in innings pitched with 16 and two-thirds. He's, yes, he's allowed 16 hits, but I think a lot of those came in that one start where he really, really yeah. got rocked. Looked incredible yep. on the mound today, full form against a solid Phillies lineup in the Philadelphia camp, which included Bryce Harper for two at-bats against, you know, Brian Barucki. And the one pitch that he threw to him, I don't know if you saw the video or not yet, Brendan, or not, but he threw him a masterful changeup to punch him out. Well, that's his, that's his, uh, that's his pitch that's going to make him a lot of money when he grows up a little bit more. His changeup is absolutely filthy. But yeah, no, even his last start out, too. It, they were saying today, keep on bringing up the Jeff Blair show for some, uh, some I guess, some free advertising for his show. But regardless, <laughs> uh, they were saying today, yeah, no, exactly. We should get a little bit of money for this. But uh, 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 Jeff was saying, um, or maybe it was Stephen Brunt. Regardless, they were saying that after Baraki's first or second start out there, when he was getting rocked at the beginning of spring, spring training, Montoyo apparently pulled them aside and said, "Hey, man." As a man or on the raised bench last year, I saw you a few times, and you got really good stuff. I want you to go out there and throw your stuff. You're in a very good position to make this team right now. Go out there, relax, have fun. And ever since Montoya pulled him aside and said that and gave a shot of confidence to Ryan Barucki, he's been the Ryan Barucki that we saw last year. So if that's the case, and Montoya pulled him aside and said that and gave him that much of a confidence boost, imagine what he can do to a lot of the young guys up here if they get off to bad starts. He's going to inspire confidence, and that's why I think Montoyo is absolutely the right hire for this team as they transition to a much younger core. Yeah, so, and that's the perfect sum up of exactly why they wanted him in Toronto to begin with. He's good with young talent. He's smart enough to at least entertain all the wonderful metrics the front office is going to be throwing at him. Makes smart decisions based on you know everything, not just a quick gut feeling, which is kind of the old school method they're trying to get away with. Um, but as far as the flip side of that coin, too, yes, he's great with the young talent, and he knows how to nurture the young talent, but he, the flip side of the coin, he actually responded, I thought, really, really well to that Ken Giles situation as far as a manager could have because he could have been just as pissed at everybody in that situation. Yeah. And I think he found a way to appease both sides but also get the point across that goes, look, you're going to be held accountable for everything. Get out there, do your job. And then in the flip side of this, I know you can do your job. Just go out there and do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the way he handled the Ken Giles situation, and, and they're just trying to build culture for the next little while. If David Paulino thinks he's above everybody and cannot participate in drills and is, is sulking because he had a poor outing the day before, that's not the culture that these guys want in here, the front office, Montoya, any of those guys. So if... Uh, if anybody is not pulling their weight, not giving 100%, then not, they should hear about it. And, and Dave Paulino included, which is why he stood up for Ken Giles uh, when he when he uh, was quoted the other day. So, no, Montoyo, the front office, they're all on the same wavelength here, which is nice to see that you have that such a strong connection between the front office and, and, and the on-field product and the manager and all the coaching staff. So it's it's awesome. Continuity is key for young players. And, yep. even, and then, then we have enough veteran presence as far as getting back to the rotation talk that we were talking about here. The next highest inning rate so far is Matt Shoemaker. Had a little bit of a rocky start, but like Baraki, he's completely turned it on of late. 
Seven earned runs over 13 innings. Yeah, it's not enough to really get super crazy excited about Brennan, but this is a guy that more or less didn't pitch last season, and he's already figuring it out. So if you're sliding him in behind the next guy, who is Marcus Stroman, who just got another great outing underneath his belt, 12 innings for him so far this spring with a mere 2.19 ERA. <laughs> it's starting to look like this uh, rotation is looking pretty good between th those four, Sanchez, Stroman, Shoemaker, and Baraki. The other wild card on that is like we were kind of alluding to. <laughs> we don't know where the rest of it's going at this point because Clay Buckholtz hasn't even pitched a game yet. Yeah, I mean, Buckholtz ain't going to be ready for to crack the opening day rotation, so... Baraki and Richard will round out that rotation behind the three S's of Stroman, Shoemaker, and Sanchez. So, no, I like Matt Shoemaker, man. Uh, we said with Adam Corsair uh, two weeks ago now that uh, w w none of us would be surprised if, if Shoemaker ends up either being maybe uh, the most valuable starter in terms of uh, F4 or maybe even the second best starter uh, on this team. And if that's the case, with his extra year of control, and he could be flipped at the deadline for a nice little uh, a nice little piece or two. Uh, but regardless, no, I, I'm a big Matt Shoemaker fan. He can strike a lot of guys out in 13 innings. He's struck out exactly 13 batters, and he's held them to a 188 batting average against. So he's had a good spring. He's gotten rocked a few times, given up a few long balls, uh, especially the one last Saturday to Reese Hoskins. But no, Shoemaker is gonna still be, going. <laughs> I, I think it is. I wouldn't be surprised. It's still, it's you know what, it's on its way back to Dunedin right now. <laughs> there you go. It's went full circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from Clearwater, it went from Clearwater all the way up to Dunedin. Oh, but no, Shoemaker is if he's healthy. Uh, you saw at the end of last year when he was putting it all together after he came back from injury, got stronger and stronger and stronger as the year went along. And no, I think he's going to be uh, a really nice piece of this rotation and will provide a lot of stability. Either way, the one thing that at least makes me feel a million times better about going into the spring training, into the regular season, Joe Biagini is not going to be starting pitching <laughs> within the hey, first yeah. few weeks of yeah. the season. <laughs> I hear you, man. <laughs> so, but yeah, and as far as the Blue Jays go, we have officially been told that Marcus Stroman will be starting against the Tigers at 3 o'clock on opening day in Toronto. That's exciting. I honestly think it's a good pick. I... Didn't see. I see great reasons to give Aaron Sanchez the ball, but it's more confidence building stuff than the fact that Stroman was still here all year last year and he's had a great spring. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I, I mean, the opening day start as the year goes along uh, starts to matter less and less. Uh, it's all about lining up your rotation to for success in the beginning, but there is still a lot of pride that these guys take and being the first guy to take the ball when your team goes out there. I mean, Stroman did it in 2016 after the playoff run in uh, 2015. He started that opening day game against the Rays. Uh, so we've done it before, and Sanchez probably should have done it in 2017, but I mean, they want, after all the innings he threw the year before and all that controversy about the amount of innings he should have thrown, they decided to start him fifth in the rotation, get him as far down as possible to uh, delay the amount of innings that he would start throwing in 2017. So, uh, I mean, between the two of them, with how their springs have been going, there really was no wrong choice between either of them. I think there's a strong case to be made that if Stroman didn't get the opening day start uh, compared to Sanchez, the reaction from Stroman probably would have been a lot worse <laughs> than it would be from Aaron, from Aaron Sanchez. So... There's Maybe. a Twitter battle every month for. <laughs> it, it, it really is. It's always a new thing with Marcus Stroman on social media, but no, I mean they made the he's done it before. Why not give it to him again? And you know what? If he goes out and starts balling out at the beginning of the year, he he will be traded. So uh, uh, this could also be to set him up for some some trade value yeah. as the season goes along. Yeah, and as far as all the fun goes with the social media, could a uh, Ross or not? I mean, could Shapiro have answered that other whole mess any better? I have a job to yeah. do. It's not to worry about what's going on on his Twitter account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we all know deep down that there was a conversation between them, but he, he deflected that pretty well. Yeah. It was one of those things that just seemed right for the timing. <laughs> so, But the rest of this rotation, Brendan, um, there's been plenty of talk about it so far, uh, how this is going to shake out. And the way it's kind of looking at this point is Shoemaker will slide into number two. You'll have Sanchez 
And then it's probably going to be Baraki and Richard. Or do you start yeah. Richard then Baraki? I know they've been saying Baraki's fifth, but I just don't see a reason to. Yeah, you're going to go lefty lefty there at the end. I'd rather throw the guy that is more of a Mark Burley type right after Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe uh, it's not confirmed either. This still could change, but from what all indications of what Montoyo said is that it would be Strowman on opening day, and then the second game against the Tigers, you have Matt Shoemaker, and then Sanchez and Baraki close out the series. So the only guy to not pitch in opening series against the Tigers to kick off the Orioles series will be Clayton Richard, which, A, I'm pretty pissed off at because, A, I don't want Clayton Richard in the rotation very much, but Clay Buckles isn't ready. But, B, on the Saturday the weekend after against the Cleveland Indians, I'm going to that game in Cleveland, and uh, it's lined up for me to see Clayton Richard start. So I get the double whammy. <laughs> maybe you'll get lucky, and that'll be a Sean Reed Foley start. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know. Maybe maybe Clayton Richard will get injured at the beginning of the year or something. I don't know. I don't, I'm not wishing for an injury, but I'd rather, much You're rather You're not excited for that road trip because of Clayton Richard. <laughs> I, I'd rather just no, no. Not, I was going to say I'd rather even not go to the game, but no, of course I want to go to the game. But uh, no, I, maybe he'll surprise. I mean, Richard, when he's healthy, has proven he can eat innings, and I think that's really all they want from him, at least at the beginning of the year. I wrote the other day for Jay's Journal. He has his chance to prove he can be long in a rotation in the American League East because it's right now with Buckles not ready to go. Uh, and a few weeks ago when we were on with Corsair, we were talking about how, or maybe it was DeFrancesco, right? DeFrancesco, yes, it was, where Baraki's spot in the rotation wasn't guaranteed. Well, now it is. Uh, so whoever pitches better between the both of him and Richard will keep the rotation spot uh, when Buckles is ready to go. But in all likelihood, it will be Baraki keeping his spot and Richard going to the bullpen. So, yeah, we'll see. I just think it's ironic that we're talking the fact that he's guaranteed a spot in the rotation at this point with Richard when he's only thrown four and two-thirds innings, and he's already allowed two earned runs in those innings. <laughs> oh, crazy, man. In my piece the other day, I pointed out where he benefits so much, or he benefited so much from pitching at Petco Park. He's allowed 19 home runs last year, and, and 14 of those were on the road. Only five came at home at Petco Park. So... Outside of that ballpark, when you have the marine effect being right down by the water and the ocean and the fact that Peco is a huge ballpark, uh, yeah, Clayton Richard got rocked outside of uh, that stadium in San Diego last year. So yeah. he just The ESPN park effects are not exactly in his uh, favor for going to Toronto. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like, like you said, it's scary stuff, but uh, I thought about this earlier today, and I maybe I'm completely talking out of my ass, to put it perfectly right. Sam Gavilio has thrown 10 innings and still has not allowed a run, and he's only allowed five hits while walking three and striking yeah. out 10. Do you think he has a chance of sneaking in and just sniping that shot? <laughs> he's going to be pitching again uh, Sunday, and he's going to start. Yeah, I don't think he's in the rotation plans, but he's certainly making a case to... Uh, crack the opening day bullpen. I have no problem with it. If Gavilio is the long man out of the bullpen with Luciano to start the year, then, hey, that's fine. But at the same time, bringing up Luciano, that guy's been uh, hit around quite a bit uh, in spring. Good strikeout numbers, but anything other than a strikeout, Luciano's been pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, Gavilio <laughs> is going out there and absolutely airing it out and looking really, really strong. So I think his uh, chances at getting a bullpen spot to start the year pretty strong at this point. Yeah, and at least at this point he's at the, hey, look over here for the starting rotation spot. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Come on, pay the attention to chart, me. <laughs> the depth chart on the base website has him at eight, and that's behind Sean Reed Foley and Clay Buckles and, and Richard and Baraki. So he's pretty far down according to com depth chart. That's surprising because I know, well, I guess a lot of that's based off of talent. And I think their plan for Sean Reed Foley at this point is to flat out he's pitching at least a month in Buffalo, and I, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be shocked if it wasn't wasn't more than that. But yeah, I I, I wonder if, if Cavillo continues having a strong spring, he cracks the the uh, the opening day bullpen, which he probably will. Um, the first guy to either be injured uh, out of the rotation uh, after Buckles 
gets inserted, Gavilio's there. And if he absolutely goes out there and doesn't pitch very well, uh, or they need somebody else to come up, Sean Reed Foley is that uh, that other guy. He probably comes up as the second or the third starter, I guess, after the opening five. So Buckles would be the first, Gavilio would be the second one, and then Reed Foley would be the third. So just to put it all into perspective and why I even came to that conclusion of why maybe he should be getting consideration for some of this, of all the Blue Jays that have thrown innings so far this spring, there are 10 that have thrown six innings or more. There's only two that have not allowed a run. Sam Gavilio is one, and Aaron Sanchez is the other. Crazy, eh? So that's some good company for him to be pressing with this time. Yes, there's spring numbers, and softness of competition might vary between those two might be the reasoning but it, like I said it's just one of those things that I happened to come across earlier today and it kind of blew my mind a little bit because he was salvageable last season in a rotation that was nothing but dumpster fire most of the year <laughs> yeah I didn't mind Sam Gavilio for a little while on the rotation last year I think it was actually pretty good for a little while uh he went out there and he did eat some innings uh for the rotation towards the end of the year i think you could see that he was clearly getting gassed which is why he was starting to get rocked around but when he went out there he first went into the rotation he was actually (laughs) he's actually pretty reliable for the most part so he's a useful piece to have around i i I zero problem with him i don't like him i don't hate him he's just kind of there yeah, and, and you need those guys on a team to be of a, a successful team. So worst case scenario, he's in that wonderful you know flip guy from the bullpen to the starting rotation for this season. And if you're going to have a guy like that in the bullpen, it's nice to have somebody like with the talents of Sam Gavilio. So it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of that forms out. But you brought up the Luciano bit. Do you think he makes this team out of spring training after this rocking that he's been getting? Or do you oh, think this is just one of those things that they hold on to him anyways? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a rocking. That's, uh, that's a very good way to put it. I mean, he still has struck out seven and six and a third, but, man, ten that 10 ERA. Seven earned runs. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not been very pretty for him. Not very good location with his fastball and other pitches and leaves a lot of hanging stuff up there. He, he's... I mean, man, he's born in 2000. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. <laughs> he's he's so young that I just don't see how they can keep him in there. Maybe like I I wouldn't be surprised if he breaks camp with the team just to have him on. But as soon as he gets inserted into a game and he gets rocked two or three times in a row, then they're either going to have to work out a trade to keep him on the roster with Kansas City if they believe in him long term, or he's going to have to be returned. So. As a way, I, I would bet still that he cracks the opening day roster. He's on the opening 25, but I don't know how much after the first two to three weeks of April he stays on this team. Yeah, I'm with you in that he, he makes the team as a biding time move because I yeah. honestly think he's got plenty of stuff in it. And, and it's not that our pitching depth is thin to even justify this move, so... To keep him to eventually push him back down into the depth chart, probably where he should be, I think is what's going to eventually happen. And I think we even, you and I might have even talked about this after the Rule 5 draft. And it's just one of those things. I think it's going to eventually solve itself out. But I think that the Blue Jays are one way or the other proving a point that he is definitely not ready for Major League Baseball to the Kansas City Royals. And maybe in the midst of that, they're hoping that they can buy low from that or at least figure out that fact of where they do draw the line to get a pitcher like Elvis Luciano back. He's like I said, I think he's going to develop that third pitch to go with the fastball changeup combination that he has, and he's going to be a pretty swift-looking little pitcher out there, man. Yeah, I just think the only reason really they took him was because there's not, almost never can you get a guy as young as 19 off the Rule 5 graph. So like, hey, I should take a chance with this guy. If he looks all right in the spring... We'll keep him on the roster and see how he goes. Maybe we can stash him for a little while, and then he's ours. He'll only be 20 at the end of the year, so might as well. Should yeah. Give it a try at least. So In a year you're rebuilding know. anyway, why not take the wild card? If he's exactly. going to be the worst thing that's ever going to come out on the field, who cares? Maybe he'll learn something, and then he actually does find a way to actually help the team. And he's going to have the best coaches in the system talking to him. And that I'm, not, I'm, I'm including like everybody, John Schneider and everybody that's on this major league coaching team that has really assembled a good team, a core around Charlie Montoyo that will help 
players like Elvis Luciano and all the other youngsters. He's definitely further on the other end where I would think if you were hoping to get something out of him, he needs that much more help, though, is the catch. Yeah, no, I completely agree. He's got a lot of good resources around around him uh, to be able to help him at least try uh, to succeed when he's up here. So, I don't know. I, I, I would be willing to place my bet that it's not much after uh, the third week of April if he continues to get rocked that either they have to work out a trade with Kansas City or uh, he gets sent back to the Royals. Yeah. So let's talk those some more of those resources, my friend. Danny Jansen has been named pretty much officially the uh, starting day catcher <laughs> for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I know you have been wanting to break out the news of your latest jersey by, so I figured I'd let you in. <laughs> Yeah, love it, man. Uh, he deserves it. Uh, I, I did get, uh, I, I said with you and Corsair two weeks ago, that the next jersey I would get would be Danny Jansen, and I took the plunge last weekend as a birthday gift to myself. So, uh, yeah, no, this, this, everybody has been raving about Danny Jansen this entire spring training. He's already proven. Uh, Ross Atkins was on uh, the radio today, again, bringing up the Jeff Blair show. Uh, but uh, he was on with Jeff Blair and Stephen Brunt, and they were both saying already that uh, Danny Jansen has shown himself to be a capable leader behind the plate, and and he, he's going to be really good with the bat, too. So uh, Danny Jansen, as we've said a few, quite a few times in the last few weeks and months, he seems like that catcher of the future that's not going to break your heart, which is uh, finally nice to see somebody come through. <laughs> yeah. I want to. I think I heard it on uh, South of the Six actually earlier today when I was listening. There's some rankings for fantasy baseball catchers that actually have Danny Jansen as one of the top ten guys. That's that pretty encouraging. Me. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, man. I mean, what he showed last year offensively to be able to hit when he came up and show some power, be able to hit for average and take his walks. I mean. Man, I think he's. I think he's going to be pretty good. So uh, I, I did. I found it. All. <laughs> right now, I'm on fantasypros.com to plug another yeah. website because apparently that's what we're all about is hawking shit tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't worry about our site at Jaybird Watching. Just make sure you go everywhere well, else. <laughs> go to the Death Player Show. Go to this fantasy show. Everything. So they have him ranked as the eighth best catcher in Major League Baseball, and that is literally just a skosh below Yandy Molina. On that it's, uh, it's pretty impressive for a kid who only got 81 at bats a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And they have him ranked as the 239th overall pick in your draft, too, which is pretty impressive because that's a normal everyday 10 12 theme format. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty that's impressive, solid. man. After only 31 days. I knew yeah, he was going to be I, good. This is if, how it if is. If he's there, then, hey, absolutely. Take him to be your, even if he's your backup catcher, that's a pretty good backup catcher to have. Yeah, you only. Hey, I might just snipe him as my last pick, and <laughs> I only got to fight my dad, who's the only other Blue Jay fan in the league. <laughs> I mean, nobody else in any fantasy league. If you're on Yahoo or ESPN or Fan Tracks, whatever you use for fantasy, there's a very good chance that they're not going to know who Danny Jansen is. So he will linger there. Take him. I mean, you, you'll be reaping the rewards at the end of the year. Yeah, and. If you follow the philosophy I've always followed for catchers, unless you get one of the top three catchers, like if you pull out Mike Piazza, basically, <laughs> you need somebody like that. I don't care. They're all disposable <laughs> at that point in fantasy baseball. But having somebody like Jansen is the idea that he you're buying low on him right now because his potential is actually higher. You're talking about a guy being drafted in the late rounds that's going to maybe hit 20 home runs this year, man. Yeah, no, he's got that kind of power. And he's shown the ability to walk, too, in his uh, 81 at-bats last year. So he seems like he could be the all-around big deal. So uh, no, he's going to be uh, going to be leading that uh, pitching staff out there uh, day in and day out with uh, Luke Manley. Yeah. And that, you just said the next point. Reese McGuire is pretty much destined for Buffalo. And I think we all saw that coming. Yeah. It's one of those things. I think his offense is just a touch behind Jansen. Obviously, you get more defense with Reese McGuire, but I don't yeah. think there's enough of a change there. The fact it's not because one way or the other, Jansen's defense is on par with what I'm going to say, a little above average for a major league catcher. It's not like you're putting somebody awful behind the plate that can't receive a pitch. 
Yeah, I agree with that. At this point, Reese McGuire's defense is better. Danny Jensen's offense is better, uh, but it doesn't offset itself enough. And then Danny Jensen had more uh, at-bats in, in the majors last year than, than Reese McGuire. So McGuire still isn't a, a complete prospect. He's still got some room to develop. And if you put Danny Jensen down in Buffalo, I don't think he has anything left to prove. That's the ultimate uh, the card to play. It's like, does this, does this young kid have anything else to prove? Will he learn anything else down in Buffalo? Yes, Therese McGuire, no to Danny Jansen. So yeah. it, it, it makes sense. I think it's funny, too, because his counterpart, we literally said that same thing about his best friend, Ryan Baraki. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so, Baraki is nothing to learn. No, there's no way. He's there's ready. nothing he can learn that he can't learn at the major league level at this point. So I mean, If, if Baraki goes out there and gets rocked in his first month or two through the rotation, maybe then you send him back down. But, I mean, I don't think that's the case. Ryan Baraki's a beast. I think he's going to be really, really good this year. I don't think there's anything getting in his way, honestly. He, he reminds me of too much of his, you know, his childhood hero, Mark Burley. <laughs> and it's and that guy, yeah. he, in my opinion, he's a guy that should be considered for the Hall of Fame, but because of wonderful days with metrics and everything like that, he's probably not going to get looked at like as much as some of the guys there in that era. But he's a guy that just found a way to get people out, and that's Ryan Barucki in a nutshell. He's just putting the Today he was literally putting the ball exactly where Luke Maley was asking in the video I saw. It was insane. Yeah, there's so many similarities between Ryan Barucki and Mark Burley, which is exciting because I did love Mark Burley throughout his entire career with the White Sox, that one year with the Marlins, and then the few years he spent here in Toronto. It's crazy. There was one year, I believe it was 2014, and this was not planned or on purpose. And I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but it's actually kind of an interesting story <laughs> to share. My first eight Blue Jay games at home, not planned, and I was still living up in Thornhill, so a little bit north of the city, so it's not like I was living downtown, being able to walk to the stadium on any given night. So I kind of planned going to games. The first eight home games I went to, Mark Burley started every single game. I could not escape Mark Burley, <laughs> except for a series when me and my buddies went down to Cincinnati, where we saw Liam Hendricks start a game, and then Jay Hat before Jay Hat oh, became man. the good Jay Hat we knew uh, when he came back to the Jays. So yeah, it was, was a lot of Mark that year. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the year that me and my those those were the years my dad and I were actually literally calling Jay Hap Jay Hapless. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty rough to watch. Just watching him sitting up there pump fastballs in the lineup didn't quite do it the same as it did in the tenure part of his uh, career with the Blue Jays. So, hey, everybody gets better, and this is what we were hoping for with all these young talents that have been going forward here. And as far as them putting things together, maybe a little prematurely here and showing us a little bit of what could be this Toronto Blue Jays season, Brendan, they popped off an eight-game winning streak before the last three losses in their four games because they included one tie. They scored 64 <laughs> runs in that ga- those games, man. Yeah. Oh, they've been hitting a lot. They've been pitching very well. And you know what? When you look at the depth chart and you go around and look at people position by position, nobody will necessarily stand out to you, but it's a lot of guys who can contribute. I think a lot of the Blue Jays' success this year will come in bunches. There are guys, a lot of guys in the in the lineup, a lot of uh, swing and miss guys. When they're hot, they're hot. When they're cold, they're very, very cold. So when the Blue Jays are going right, they're all going to be hitting well at the same time. But when they go through those slumps like T. Oscar, who strikes out a lot, Randall Gritchett, Kevin Pillar. Uh I wouldn't classify Smoke or Morales necessarily, but everybody else around the diamond. When they're hitting and they're doing very well and they're hot in hot streaks, they will, uh, they'll be able to form a few winning streaks together, especially if that rotation is pitching well. But when they're cold, it can look pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think there's enough youth on this team that will turn around and inject some fun into that at least, regardless of how they're playing. But as far as like you were hitting on there with the cold spells, I, there's just so much talent. I have a trouble believing that all those are going to eclipse perfectly in line with each other, that you're going to have the whole like first four <laughs> – first quarter of your lineup not hitting <laughs> you know what i mean you're gonna have those yeah, days yeah. where you have unfortunately james paxton come out and throw a no hitter against you but i just don't there's so much talent there and i think having a healthy randall gritchick for the whole season is gonna be a lot different than having what the injury risk at the beginning of the season will mix with some confidence issues and then clearly figured something out and how comfortable it actually can be to play baseball in toronto 
So maybe that's my opinion. <laughs> oh, I agree with you, man. A hundred percent. So in the midst of that though, they they were pitching really well. That those were some really well played ball games. And in the midst of, like I said, those last three losses in the tie over the last four games, they played really well on defense and pitching. They just couldn't find the lumber enough. And when Eric Sogard was bringing you two of your four RBIs in two days, <laughs> eh, okay, yeah, that's what's going to happen sometimes. But And then they lost two of them in late innings, and then today was the John Axford walk to walk off for the Phillies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Now, you know what? Spring training so far, even though it's meaningless, it's been very interesting to see how the dynamic of this team will, will shape up to be. And there's been some guys who have been some really pleasant surprises, such as Anthony Alford and Ryan Baraki, Shoemaker. There's been a bunch of guys who have uh, impressed. Even Freddie Galvis uh, has been pretty good in, in my eyes. He had Cortez today. Yeah, exactly. You know, Galvis, I would not be surprised. People have said this on Twitter. Just with his personality and who Toronto sports fans seem to fall in love with, if Freddie Galvis toward midway through the summer, it becomes a fan favorite. I, I actually do like Freddie Galvis quite a bit. But, no, it, it, spring training, I think, it, so far, been pretty representative of what this team is going to be. Yeah, and just to make the joke, because it's too perfect, Freddie Galvis is going to be this year's younger Solarte, this year's Manure yeah. Kawasaki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I really think that the difference between those other two players I just named off there, Galvis has the potential to actually pop off a few home runs and do something really interesting. I, One way or the other, he's going to go out there and grind every stinking game and play good defense, and there's nothing saying he can't bat 250, 260 and sprinkle in 20 home runs. No, absolutely. He's, he's got the power to do so. And it's going to play a lot different than he has in his last few years in a nice ballpark like the Blue Jays in the American League East for somebody like him that can hit the ball all over the field. Yeah, I mean, Gallus won't walk. That's one thing he won't do, but he's got a lot of pop in that bat. And the one thing that he does have up on Solarte is the ability to play really, really good defense. Slick I think he's going to make a lot of... Yeah, exactly. He's going to make a lot of really, really nice plays behind the Baruckis and Strowman and Sanchez and Shoemakers, all the guys who get the ball down on the ground. Uh, even Clayton Richard, man. Clayton Richard gets his fair share of ground balls, yeah. which could play quite nicely in the American League East. So having a guy like Freddie Galvis behind all five of those guys who can induce ground balls, it, it, it's going to be good. It's going to save them a lot of runs. Yeah, to break out one of my favorite baseball comments of all time, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to break out the fine Corinthian leather in, at shortstop this season. <laughs> completely, completely agree. I would, yeah, again, I would not be surprised if a lot of people are falling in love with Freddie Galvis as the season goes along. So... But just because we were starting to head in that direction, Brendan, yes, I do agree with you. Uh, Freddie Galvis is going to be a solid pick one way or the other. If things do go bad, and this team is hard to watch, at least there is $5 beer at the ballpark now. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, uh, yeah, go ahead. For, for the drunks like you and I who want to go down there and just have a good time, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the only catch the whole thing uh, hopefully they let you walk away with at least two because my assumption <laughs> is they're with one beer stand serving five dollar bud lights and you know the creature comforts the three dollar hot dogs and all the other fun wonderful things like we were talking about that i lost the note on before the show <laughs> um it's going to be a disneyland-like line is all i'm picturing because there's only one place on each of the sections or each levels and i'm just wondering if i'm gonna get out of line and then i'm gonna pound my two little beers and then i'm gonna be like crap and i have to get back in that line three seconds later <laughs> yeah you know what i just thought of when we when you brought that up i wonder if at the same time everybody's going to be so gravitated towards this this concession stand that says five dollar beer that people are going to be like I, well i don't really want to stand in this humongous line i'm just going to go buy the regularly priced beer Maybe that's a way to get the regularly priced concessions uh, boosted a little bit. I don't know. That's just something I just thought of right now. I thought it was kind of genius. Yeah. <laughs> I right, know. That's a good caveat from what we were talking about before the show, which was I was just saying, why don't they just put the, Bud, the $5 Bud Light in every place and then have the you know the real beer <laughs> next to it? And I'm just sitting there at the stand going, oh, you know, I don't really want a Bud Light yet. 
<laughs> I want that nice beer that's going to taste good on a hot summer day. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll pay 12 bucks for the first beer. And then yeah. I'll do nothing but, you know, hydrate the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but it, honestly, I think it's interesting to see that they're even trying something like this in the ballpark just to try getting the fan experience up a little bit they know there's only yeah. gonna be so many people coming to the ballpark like as of the trend of the last couple years it, this is an idea that okay at least makes it a casual buy right i can go buy a ticket yep. i can squeeze in a cheap meal at the ballpark and have a good time with my family or my friends you know i think that's the ballpark they shoot at with these three concession stand stops yeah man and you know what the uh the cheap concession prices that Atlanta Falcons have done at their brand new stadium have worked really well and it's increased revenue. So maybe this is something that they're going to test and, and implement at more concession stands as the year goes along or the years go along, maybe not later towards this year, but maybe even next year. But no, it's nice to see. It is a draw, especially in the summer when people who are debating on what to do on a Saturday afternoon, like, Oh yeah, the Jays game's on at three o'clock today. Well, let's just go down the Rogers center sit out in the sun and get a few $5 beers in this. It'll be a nice, cheap little afternoon out. So yeah. it could increase the walk-up totals, too. It doesn't necessarily increase ticket sales before the game actually begins. Yeah, we're not exactly in the $9.500 level seats anymore, but at least this is a, <laughs> a start in that direction, maybe. But it's good. I, I honestly have... I was shocked to read that when I read the first time. All I'm thinking is, okay, the last few years, all I remembered reading before each baseball season is the Blue Jays are one of the highest um, <laughs> highest priced beers in all of baseball. And that's in counting, accounting for the difference in cu- currency between the states and Canada. Oh, man, I know. You know what? So, going to some of the American ballparks down there that charge like $7 for uh for for beer and a good size beer too or even eight dollars after the currency conversion it's still cheaper than paying 13 dollars at the flight deck for a beer so yeah it's crazy how much but it is nice to see absolutely it's yeah. uh it's even a give nice me a commemorative can like they used to anymore <laughs> yeah. oh yeah <laughs> i don't have anything next to my uh my delgado angry bird and my uh weird roy holiday teacup <laughs> So, there's only so many souvenirs, I guess, I can cram onto my mantle. But come on, I got to make something out of every trip, right? <laughs> no, 100%, buddy. So, next thing's next. Um, looks like you could get plenty of cheap beers if you want to head to Buffalo to see Vlad to start the season. Because it's pretty much officially done with him hitting this uh, basically three-week oblique issue. Yeah, man. And you know what? Even though it's three weeks, they're going to reevaluate him after three weeks. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be swinging a bat and swinging as hard as we know Vladdy to do so. Wouldn't surprise me if when he actually gets into legitimate game action, it's closer to five or six weeks. So I think his arrival time in Toronto that we betted with, uh, with Ryan DeFrancesco last week is uh, obviously well out of the question. It's not going to be April 22nd or 23rd against the Giants uh, when they're here. But I think we're looking at closer to Approaching June. Approaching was what I was thinking, at least. <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? It's definitely yeah. going toward May, June now at this point. But I I, I think it's just one of those things. You're like, it's still going to be one of those things. They just send them down there, you know, even at Red, because, you know, don't push it out there too much, Vlad. You know, go out there and give, like, 75% we're going to call you up in two weeks or whatever they deem at that point because it's going to be after that service window. <laughs> so it's now completely wide open at this point. And I'm just going to say it because it's cruel, but it's reality. Problem solved? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what all the conspiracy theorists were saying right after you got injured. It's like, oh, this is just, this is fake. Yeah, they, yeah there's no way that they're faking an injury that's absolutely insane it's ludicrous if you're the player in that situation why in the hell would you do that your goal is to get to the majors and hit and from all accounts vladdy has said multiple times that my goal is to go out there and play every day as hard as i can so i can make spring train or make this opening day roster yeah he's said nothing about that it it opens up a whole bunch of different conversations his injury his weight 
which is obviously a huge topic of conversation after his injury. He's a big kid, man. So it's going to be interesting to see how he responds to this. I would not be surprised. Everybody said when he got injured that he knows how to rebound from this kind of stuff. If he goes out there and, and, and I don't know, maybe changes his diet a little bit, maybe loses a few pounds to go through the rigors of a full major league season, I, I, I trust that Vladdy and the entire organization is going to handle this properly and get him right for when he's finally up here in, in what's now looking like the end of May or early June. No, and in all reality, I don't know if I want him starting in Buffalo anyway. I might just bring him up if <laughs> that weather in Buffalo that time of year could just make this oblique thing linger and linger and linger in that cold, brisk Lake Ontario breeze. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, man, that's possible too. I mean, if he's healthy and ready to go in, in let's say, five weeks, he's swinging about well and it's extended spring training, I mean, why not, man? Like, yeah. it, it's, it's not possible. <laughs> or it's one of those things that I just would rather have him stay and play with the Deneen Blue Jays, just to even just get some swings in. Something like that. I, me personally, as you know, being a northerner, <laughs> you've done work outside. It sucks. If you're hurt, it's only more ridiculously hard to do. And if you're we're trying to recuperate from any kind of injury, being that cold and shivering and trying to keep warm is just insanely difficult. And I, you'll get hurt. I just don't want to see. And honestly, it still kills me that they start the minor league season that early. <laughs> for that reason in the at least in the international league but what do i know <laughs> i'm from rochester new york and apparently know how to deal with weather <laughs> hey man we, we both do we we know the struggle so but like i said if it came down to me deciding where vladdy was going to start i i wouldn't even have him going anywhere near buffalo or at least training somewhere where he is not going to have to worry about inclement sleet and weather and all this other stuff Good stuff. Worst case scenario, I would love to see him pound a few new home run balls off of the brand new scoreboard at Salem Field in Buffalo. <laughs> Can we just knock down Salem and replace it with Coca-Cola Field? Like, my goodness, what what is Salem? What is that? Oh, they're like hot dogs. That's all they are here. Okay. <laughs> all right. That makes it happy. You guys a have your shopsies. We have our Salins. And then when you go one town over from Buffalo to Rochester, you get Zwaggles with a Z. <laughs> and there's a whole heated debate on who has the best hot dogs in New York State, basically as you follow the thruway toward New York City. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, I guess I got to – I guess I finally have to make my first appearance at Salem Field or Coca-Cola Field, whatever the hell uh, it is. Uh, and have one of those hot dogs. He <laughs> uh, won't be disappointed, but it's not the same as like in a Shopsy, which to me more tastes like a sausage, kind of like because it's got usually a kick to it. These yeah, are just yeah, straight yeah. hot dogs, like <laughs> nothing crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it might be about time to finally get myself down there for Buffalo Bisons game, and uh, maybe we can do a live recording of this show at Salem Field. Boom! <laughs> Make it happen. Hey, absolutely, just blows your mind. Yeah, it's gonna be that'll be like the most recorded or most listened to show ever, unlike which was actually last week's show as far as our concern goes. <laughs> we gotta beat that record of a thousand. <laughs> hey man, that, that, I'm looking already. I had to schedule up Friday, April nineteenth. That's Good Friday. Could take the whole like nobody's working that day. That's Easter. So they I'll all... be working because yeah, we don't care about things like that apparently in the states anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you're, but you're close I'm enough. close enough. You're, I can still make it. <laughs> you're close. You're clo You're a little bit closer to Buffalo than I am. So hey, man, we can still meet halfway. Game on. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's on. Uh, sorry, Wayne's World is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> Game on. Game on. <laughs> Car. <laughs> so, Brendan, my friend, um, I think we've hit everything on my topic list here. Unless you would like to talk surprises and some of these wonderful uh you know questions we were talking about before the show what do you think you know what man i don't know about surprises but kind of guys who you haven't heard much about this spring training kind of want to bring up i know randall grichik uh finally got some game action today he hasn't played a whole lot because of his foot issue but you know one guy who hasn't really been talked a whole lot about at all is brandon jury um Drury has been really, really quiet uh, throughout spring training at this point. And I, he, he's, he's hit pretty well, but nobody's really talking about him. 
He's I think it's because it's glossed over because of the pending future. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, man, when 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 he came over, when he went to the Yankees from the Diamondbacks in that trade, everybody's like, if this guy stays healthy, he's going to be a really really good player. And he got injured with the the Yankees again last year, and then it ultimately ended up getting traded to the Blue Jays. Pretty so throw in too, because I really feel like yeah. Billy McKinney was the focus of that trade. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It, it, if Drury gets off to a good start, which I think he could. He's always shown he can have a good bat. He has a good glove, too. Um, it could spell the end of Devin Travis, but nobody's really talking about Brandon Drury, so I'm not sure I'd call him... I'm not calling him a disappointment by any means, but I'm just kind of surprised that nobody's talking about how good of a spring Brandon Drury has had to this point. Yeah, batting 344 currently through 12 games, and honestly looking like he could hold his own easily at third base. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is one of those guys, Brandon, that when... When him when he was in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization, him and Chris Owings were two guys I was kind of almost foaming at the mouth. Why don't the Blue Jays go after these guys? Because clearly the Diamondbacks have no idea what to do with the pair. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they just kept throwing them around, and you'd see both of them had these incredible highs, but then tinkering led to incredible lows at the same time. I. I I honestly have always wondered what you would get if you could actually get a full season out of either of them. And when, having Brandon Drury as a Blue Jay, right now we're unfortunately in that same ballpark, though, because it's going to be equally tinkered with, unless, like you said, the, something with the Devin Travis situation happens. But then it's not just Devin Travis. got Loris Gurriel Jr., too, and he's been awesome yeah. making. And yeah. to me, he's easily the everyday second baseman right now with Travis on the shelf. Yeah, I so. completely agree. And I guess the, the if Drury and, and Lourdes Gurriel continue to do what they've been doing in spring going into the regular season, that's going to make not having Vlad up here in, in early to mid-ish, late April, easier to swallow because if Drury and Gurriel are playing well, you're going to have a tough, very tough decision to make when, uh, when Vlad finally gets called up. And you actually get more time to evaluate between those two. And if Devin Travis does get into some game action before Vlad gets up here, you get time to make a final decision on Devin Travis. It sucks to say Devin Travis is not uh, a guy of this regime. He's not a Ross Atkins or Marshall Power guy. He's an Anthopolis guy. So I feel that his tenure as a Blue Jay could be done rather quickly if Brandon Jury continues to hit well and brings that into the regular season. Uh, so... No, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens um, once the season starts, especially with second and third base once Vlad gets up here and you have to think about what to do with Drury and Gurriel and Devin Travis. So it's going to be a tough decision that has to be made. Yeah. So I have one more topic I forgot to talk about, and I think this week we can go over pretty quickly because it wasn't anything too crazy. But the Major League Baseball has made a few rule changes. The biggest one I think that could affect the Blue Jays here in the near term and especially structuring their bullpen going forward is this whole I have to face three three hitters thing. Yes. I honestly, the first thing I thought of when I read that rule is the days of Aaron Loop people out of the bullpen are done. Was that in place for this year or is that next year? I believe it's next year, but as far as thinking fourth dimensionally you're got we're trying to you know pick up this bullpen and everything with guys that are going forward i does tim Mesa have a job after this year <laughs> you know he's, he's yeah. really there for left left-handed hitters if you're trying to do that you know what do you and then not, now he has no trade value either because everybody else is doing looking at him the same way i just it it boggles my mind how something like that is already going to affect the game because it's just everybody's going to be moving forward, especially all these teams that are rebuilding. It's a compounding effect. Yeah. You know what, man? At the end of the day, everybody's always saying that baseball to the casual people, to bring in more fans, people who are just kind of watching on TV – they want to see action. They don't want to see breaks and pitching changes and mound visits. But to have an effect and bring in more fans, you got to do something drastic, even if it makes people's heads explode. This is one thing I don't think that's that bad of an idea. I, I don't mind it. 
I think it makes sense and it prevents doing what the Brewers did with Wade Miley in the playoffs of starting one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that probably was the ultimate case to the the PA and and Manfred and be like, hey, you certainly got in a weird game. Yeah, for one batter. You got him out, sure, but like then you bring another guy. It's already starting off slow. So I don't know. I don't mind it. I think it'll be interesting to see how that affects bullpen jobs going from here on out. That could help the starting pitchers, which in the last few years the role of the starting pitcher has been reduced to like five or six innings. Maybe the era of the seven or eight inning guy starts to return with a three batter minimum for uh, for bullpen arms. So I think it has a good effect on, uh, on baseball. So I, I'm fine with that. I, yeah. I, I love starting pitching. So I, I, I'm very uh, I'm very okay and on board with the three batter minimum. So you're telling me we might be able to have more than three starters in all of Major League Baseball break 220 in the innings ca- columnists? Is, is that name like during the years of Roy Halladay when he was currently when he was breaking 230 and even 240 to say that just this past year there's only three guys that broke 220 and only. I think it was seven guys who pitched two complete games, and that was tied for the most in the MLB. Yeah, that's was, insane. When Holiday was going out there and pitching seven and eight complete game a year, yeah, a year <laughs> by himself, and, right? and there was so many of those games that he would have probably told you that ten times over. I should have been in ten more of them that long. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, would have said that. There's nothing better than Holiday's complete game, ten inning game. He pitched ten innings in an extra inning game against the Tigers. Way back in like oh six, maybe oh five, something around there, maybe even oh seven. Regardless, you won't see that again. Ten innings as a complete game, and you got the win. Holiday's a, a dog. Yeah, and as far as all the other changes that didn't come up, like we didn't get the the universal DH like everybody kind of was alluding to before for the last couple you know months. But there's the weird home run derby stuff going on now. The universal <laughs> trade deadline. <laughs> I, I like that one too. They put some emphasis on it. Yeah, I I, I like that. Just I, I I always found the the pet trade deadline thing weird. Like, sure, you have to clear waivers, but very rarely does somebody actually pick up a contract that uh, ends up getting through waivers. So just have one trade deadline. You got to trade your guys by a date. No other no other league does a, two different trade deadlines. So I uh, have no problem with that. Yeah, and and for a team like us that possibly could be shopping some guys around there is all of a sudden that little bit of urgency on it. We can't, you're not going to wait for that role player anymore. If you want somebody like Evan Travis, like we were just alluding to, and you need him to go forward, you have to do it now. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that that, that's going to help teams. It's going to be interesting to see my friend. So what's going on in Brendan's world, Brendan's world. (laughs) Yeah. Brendan's world. Uh, other than uh, getting uh, my uh, my thoughts on uh, Jay's journal on uh, Clayton Richard getting a shot in the rotation, you know what, man? Uh, honestly, after talking about some of the stuff we discussed today, talking about Brandon Drury might not be such a bad idea. I think he deserves a little bit more credit for the spring that he has had to this point. So I uh, I might do a piece up on Brandon Drury coming up. But other than that, uh, going to TFC home opener on Sunday uh, against the New England Revolution on St. Patrick's Day. So Hopefully Monday morning isn't uh, too much of a hurting. There you go. Have a few beers, obviously, in name of that holiday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, so, but yeah, it's been a pleasure, my friend, as we're going to complete a late week uh, Wednesday wall up here uh, for the Frantic Friday or whatever the hell we want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of I like this Friday routine, my friend. Yeah, maybe we need to change things up a little bit. We can always change the team name. <laughs> Brandon <laughs> Fridays. When we realize we haven't recorded on Tuesday or Wednesday, we're recording in panic. Yeah, we just got everybody used to the branding of the Wednesday wallop. So it's about Blue Jays logo time change that we need to change to the Angry Bird of the Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. and then we can come back to the Wednesday wallop, and everything will be great. <laughs> well, you got it, my friend. I think we got it down pat. Ah, oh, it's always a formula, man. <laughs> <laughs> so. Blue Jays fans, it's been a pleasure. We are sorry that we did have the delay in our wonderful normal schedule that we were keeping very, very attentive and close 
attention to over here at Jaybird Watching. We are going to get back on pace hopefully this in the coming week, get back on Wednesdays, and we will have everything for you Wednesday mornings. Thursday mornings is our usual release for your wonderful morning commutes and work. We're hoping that you kick off a decent Friday with us, and we'll hopefully linger around into your weekdays so we can continue to get more hits and continue to bring you more Blue Jays content. The morning mash is back for your weekday mornings, and Brendan, that's pretty much it, other than let's go Blue Jays. <laughs> yes, let's go Blue Jays. Hey, man, it's very close to being able to talk about series at a time and, and preview pitching matchups in the series. So I think this uh, the Wednesday wallop or the frantic Fridays are, are going to be taken to another <laughs> level in just a few weeks. Either way, it's all Blue Jays all the time and everything Blue Jays on Jaybird watching. Brendan, peace out, my friend, and have a great weekend. You too, buddy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.